Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Loftus Party Podcast. Here is the question. Can you have too much of a good thing? Whap, whap, ass smack. No. No, you can't. We've got an incredible show. Uh, Liberty Gypsy is in full effect over on the other side of the continent. What up? Not much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfect. I'm in, a, uh, I'm in a really good mood. I'm in a really good mood, uh, and for many, many reasons. One, this is going to be a great episode of the show. Everything just keeps getting better. That's the wonderful thing. Everything just keeps getting better. Guess who's on the show today, uh, Gypsy? Who? Who's on the show? We've got uh, Brian Kilmeade from, from Fox and Friends. Now, here's the thing that I did not know about this guy, and this is what I love about... Uh, entertainment, pop culture, all of it. He and I have a mutual friend in uh, the guy who owns the Gotham Comedy Club in Manhattan. Uh, I didn't know this. Uh, Kilmeade, many, many moons ago, when he was living in Los Angeles, uh, was doing stand-up comedy. And I I knew I liked that guy. (laughs) I knew I liked him. And now... And now I know he's got the instincts of a stand-up, and he has the instincts of a storyteller, and it's wonderful. He's got a he's got a book out, so we talk about his new book, mm-hmm. which guess what? His new book's about Andrew Jackson. Yeah, you like him just a little bit. Exactly, mm-hmm. and and specifically the very thing that I t- I did my uh, one of the segments I did my show on for the History Channel was the Battle of New Orleans. It's the subject of Kilmeade's new book. It's fascinating. It's wonderful. Uh, and I didn't know this. He's done a bunch of books. Uh, the Tripoli Pirates. It's it's great. So stay tuned for that, you guys. And, and then we'll talk about other wonderful things that are happening as we go. We try to be so very professional, you guys. We care about you, gentle listener. That's my new favorite thing to say. <laughs> gentle how- listener. When I... I, I wrote a uh, review of Star Wars uh, Battlefront 2 last night, and I think I put in a, we care about you, gentle reader. I love that. <laughs> I love just, it's so like old timey and awesome. Uh, yeah, I, here's the thing. With uh, the History Channel, mm-hmm. the executives there, they have a lot of insights, and there's something about, and this is going to sound sexist and wrong, uh, there's something about dudes where we love like bar trivia. You know, like that's what they call it, bar trivia. It's like, oh, did you know that this and this was invented by this guy who was blank? And it's like, for some reason, I, I don't know what it is, but but dudes respond to that. I, I would I would agree with that. Yeah. And when it's like flashing up on a screen in something that's actually a bar, they even get a little competitive about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's like uh, I work with some guys who wrote on the show Cheers and they they have confirmed the story that originally Cliff, the bar know-it-all, was not in the pilot. Uh, he actually auditioned for the part of Norm and he knew he wasn't going to get it. You can tell when you leave an audition, ah, I'm not going to get it. And he goes, hey, do, do you have a bar know-it-all? And oh, my gosh, we need one of those. He got that part. So, yeah, there's something about dudes and bar. And I don't want to demean uh, Kilmeade's book at, mm-hmm. at all because it's not it's not as simple as bar trivia. However, there's a, a bunch of American history that nobody knows. It's, it's what we talk about here all the time. It's that it's that magnetism. You don't even know it's happening, but the universe does. So mm-hmm. I'm extremely thrilled. So here's what we're going to do for the next few minutes. We're going to 
We're going to go through some of the top stories in in the world of politics. We're going to have some laughs. We'll blast into the Kill Meat interview, and then we'll talk uh, more fun stuff, uh, the Punisher on Netflix and the Justice League movie and all that stuff. So it's it's happening. It's 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 a great show, and I love it, love it, love it. Put on your boner pants and dance. <laughs> no, don't We're dance. Gonna have... Don't dance. Oh, no. yes, ab- no, hey, no. Dance like dance like no one's watching. It, uh, dance yeah, like... no one needs to be watching because <laughs> dancing. No, dancing like that. Just don't. Just okay, don't. I will. Don't. I will, and you can't stop me. I, you can't. I'm like a butterfly, all right. gypsy. I'm like a butterfly coming out of my little cocoon mm-hmm. <laughs> and all the hate in the world can't stop me. Okay. <laughs> this is something I did. A, uh, I did a vlog about this on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I, I do enjoy being in the, like I told you so side of things. Tax reform is going on. The house just got it through. The house mm-hmm. just said yay to tax reform. And my stance on this whole thing is you dumb SOBs get this done. Get it done. Get it done. I don't want to hear of any excuses. And now, and tell me if I'm wrong, did some jerk try to put in some like Obamacare little widget into the whole thing? Um, It was just repealing the individual mandate. So the point where you basically um, they use the tax code, right, to punish people who didn't buy insurance. So right. it's taking that punishment out of the tax code. Okay, here's my deal. If that becomes a problem, if that is the uh, crying dude on the lifeboat of the Titanic and he's like, meh, 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 Obamacare, mandate, meh, I'm throwing him over the side. Like I have very little patience. We got to get tax reform done. I don't want any goofball little, hey, we got to do this for the evergreen trees and we got to allocate $200 million for the study of uh, bumblebee farts. I don't want to hear it. And I don't want to hear I don't want to hear guys going, well, we're 82 percent of the way there. And if they could just cave on this one thing, I think I could vote for it. Get it done. I am fired up about tax reform. John McCain. Susan Callens, just do it. Vote for it, please. Oh, oh, it, they were—they're already on my area Stark list. Oh, they're just—I'll I'll uh, have to—I'll have to start another one. But yeah, and oh, and here's the other frustrating thing, Gypsy. And I don't know if you've been watching uh, Fox News or MSNBC at all. I need to teach a course. Really, there should be a Loftus Party public speaking course. Mm-hmm. I'll teach it twice a year mm-hmm. on each coast. These people, these Republicans, they cannot explain it. They cannot. They can't put a spin on it. They can't go. You know what? Yes, it is. We uh, corporations have the highest taxes on the planet. Mm-hmm. We're going to lower them down so we can get competitive. That's going to bring jobs back because now small businesses will be able to take off. We can unleash this economy. It's going to be good for everybody. Yep. And when there's more jobs, you can compete. Mm-hmm. And you can have different job offers. So you know what? I'm not going to take that piece of crap job for 60 grand a year. I'm going to take this awesome job for 80 grand a year. And boom, everybody may just say that. Say that again and again and again. Well, and then they have their talking points against that. But the thing that kills me, the thing that kills me is it's the same talking points. The Democrats use the same talking points about tax reform. They use about Obamacare. Everybody's going to die. 
everybody's going to die. <laughs> this is a crushing tax on everyone, everyone in the country. Everyone. Yes, everyone is going to die. And I got it. You know, I, I actually was never a huge fan of Orrin Hatch. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm still not, but he's done some things in the last few weeks that are just making me giggle. Um, first, he what's comes he done? Out, what did he do? Well, first he comes out all in for medical marijuana. I think we talked about that using things like it's high time we talk about medical marijuana. Yeah. yeah this thing needs to. Go. I mean, he's 80. You got to give him credit, right? Good, Good for, for you, Hatch. dude. Good for you, dude. Then. The other day, he just rips a Democratic senator, calling him disingenuous, knock it off. That's not what's going on here. I mean, it was all over C-SPAN. It just cracked me up because the Dem senator over taxes is, you're the party of the rich. Everybody's going to die. Everyone's going to lose their health care. And he said, you need to stop. And I was like, go, Orin. That's the best. That's know, the best. And that's great. another one of these gifts that Trump that Trump has given us that now these guys realize, oh, you can say stuff like this. You yes. can. Stop you can it, just dude. call people out on their bullshit as they speak it. Did you see Jeff Sessions? No, I have not oh seen. So, what, what did Jeff Sessions do? Oh, God, I laughed so hard yesterday morning. Um, he goes and speaks to the Federalist Society, and I don't know if you recall – but one of the first allegations against him in this whole Russia, Russia, Russia thing were that was that he had contact with the Russians, but he spoke at the Heritage Foundation. Yeah. And the Obama administration had some seats at that and they sent the Russians, right? It's this is like the third time this has happened. No, but it didn't happen this time. Instead, he gets up at the podium and he said, is Ambassador Kislyk here? Any Russians in the audience? I just feel like I should know. <laughs> Dude, I laughed, and the entire leftist media needed a fainting couch. A fainting I didn't couch. See it. it was awesome. I didn't see it. There's been some wonderful things happen that <laughs> that I just haven't seen, and like oh. we have to put, we have to get these moments up on uh, the website so we can. Because seriously, I saw the, this thing on Twitter the other day. I guess there was some world champion girls softball league girl they're getting some trophy at the white house or taking a picture and one of the girls just real quick maybe it was the coach was like you know what we would just like to say a little prayer real quick and donald trump's like yeah sure you bet and he, he turns to them and they kind of huddled up like a little team and they said like a little prayer of uh or whatever and it was a really it wasn't like grandstanding it was a really humble moment and it was a, it was a beautiful moment and like wow I don't I don't even know where that link came from where I saw it. But, man, if somebody's calling out the the Democrats on on their their BS, that's that's awesome. We got to <laughs> spread the word on that because yep. it, it always is. It's so predictable. Oh, we're going to look at Obamacare. You're going to you're going to take baby food away from babies. Forty million people a day will die. Mm-hmm. And then here we are with tax reform. It's it's a smackdown on the poor, blah, 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 that they're they're all going to die. It's just all the histrionics and the Nancy Pelosi's of it all. I and something happened to Nancy Pelosi. I don't know what it is, but she doesn't look as good. Something. I don't I don't know what happened, but uh, you think maybe she's not well. I'm I don't know. Maybe she looks – this is not like not a slam. She just looks like like tired, like really oh, tired. All she's the, usually she's got a bunch of <laughs> – she's got amazing knockers for a woman of 130. I tell you, whoever did her boob job gets a raise. 
That's just okay. They're amazing. They're wonderful. Uh, <laughs> which is the perfect segue to this, the whole uh, Al Franken of it all. Oh, my God. Have you seen all the memes of him groping everyone? I have. Now, here's oh I'm, God, I'm really dying. conflicted on this. I'm really conflicted. I truly am. The girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now there's there's a story within the story. Uh, the girl was like, un, this was unwanted. Uh, I didn't want this to happen. Uh, it was there was groping. There was this, that and this. So, OK, so you got to assume that she's telling the truth and that she didn't want this to happen. Mm-hmm. Now you look at the picture mm-hmm. uh, where she's in the flak jacket. And this is just me. I've looked at a lot of videotape for world's dumbest, blah, blah, blah. She doesn't look like she's really asleep. She looks like she's pretending like she's in on it. Now, that's just my opinion. It looks like a it looks like a stage photograph that looks like the face you make when you're pretending to be asleep. Mm. I've seen my wife make that face a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Go, wife. Go, Mrs. Loftus. Um. Mrs. Loftus. When the esteemed Mrs. Loft is like, no, no, I'm asleep. <laughs> but hey. But then uh, there was I, this other picture. There was this other picture where he's like bear hugging her. And it's clear to me that her face is completely turned away from him. And he's trying to plant one on her. Boom. Like she was just enough. like, yeah. So now, I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. However, I think Al Franken is kind of skeevy. So I don't not believe it. Oh, my goodness. If you look back and it's got to be. Listen, uh, if she didn't want it to happen, she didn't want it to happen. Mm -hmm. That's that's the end of it. There's people. It's all over uh, social media now where people are posting these pictures like, oh, here she is in Playboy. I don't care. She was in Playboy a whole bunch. You don't get to be sexually assaulted just because you were in Playboy. If she's completely naked walking down Fifth Avenue, uh, there's an expectation. No touchy, no touchy. Me, no likey. So it has to be tough for Franken, though, coming from uh, the world of Saturday Night Live. And if you know a little bit uh, about SNL, there was a lot of partying mm-hmm. uh, and it's a different mindset when you're with those comedians and and now you're a senator. So right. be careful, everybody. They have they have their uh, their torches are lit. They have pitchforks out and they're ready to go. Do I think, and this is just me speaking, does this say, uh-oh, he should no longer be a senator? No, no. He, he messed up. It was a mistake. Apologize. Uh, move on. Right. I really am not calling for Al Gore's head. And now people are going now, and, they're, uh, Frank, and they're relitigating Frank, the, the, uh, the, the Bill Clinton thing. That is just so convenient. I'm sorry. Well, it's 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 over. He got in trouble. He got impeached. It's 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 over. But yes, a lot of people defended his behavior. It was 1990 or whatever. Oh, no, Let's no, no, keep. No. They didn't this. just. They just didn't defend it. They called it the final step in the sexual revolution. And now Monica Lewinsky was completely free to, you know, consensually you know, do her whatever she wanted to sexually. And it was come. I mean, some of the things I've had period pieces I've actually read from the time were just like, seriously, someone said that. Um, but it's not, here's what, here's what it is to me. It's very politically expedient. They want Hillary Clinton gone. She just needs to shut her mouth and the DNC and the Democrats know it. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, Bill isn't get, Bill isn't at the point where he's going to be out on the comp- campaign trail. You know, I mean, he was one of their biggest, you know, out there making, you know, raising money, stumping for people who were running, et cetera. That's kind of over. And basically, in order for them to take the high ground in looking at some of these Republicans that are being accused, they have to say, well, we were wrong about somebody. So let's pick Bill Clinton. She needs to go away. He's of no use to us. Let's let's do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I really would tell everyone. It was so uh, coordinated. <laughs> I would. It is. And it's. Uh, listen, all of this stuff. It, it, don't paint with the broad brush. Mm-hmm. Don't say good or evil. Blah, blah, blah. Like, listen, if you're Bill Clinton, seriously, and you're around the White House and Hillary and, and and I'm gonna judge Hillary's behavior. I don't think she's a wildcat in the sack. That's just me saying that. And you've got you've got an intern who who thinks the the sun rises and sets on every uh, action and reaction. Mm, bust off a piece of that. I don't remember Monica pressing charges. <laughs> you know what no. I'm saying? No, it takes two to tango sometimes. Every everything even written about to, that today says it was consensual. It doesn't mean that that young woman was not ripped apart by the press and the Democratic machine, along with all oh, of those other did. victims. I mean, yeah. who was it? Uh, James uh, Carville, you know his. his oh yeah, his, the Snake his, Man. His famous quote, you know, drag a hundred dollars through a through a trailer park, and any you know you'll see who jumps or something like that. That's what you do. That's yeah. what you do there, Liberty Gypsy. You drag, drag a hundred dollar bill. Through the trailer park. Somebody's going to jump on it. They're going to get it. They're coming after money. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Ding, ding, I ding. Know. I know. The snake man of Alcatraz. I, I still think at some point, Bubba just needs to take the DNA test and figure out if that young man is his son. Oh, there it is. Just there put that one to is. bed. Put that one to bed. Because by not taking it, you just make me believe it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I... I <laughs> Don't hold your breath. In other wonderful news, uh, I think Trump's trip to Asia was a huge success. I'm just going to say that. No mm-hmm. one's talking about that enough. Our uh, our GDP is right there in the wheelhouse. If they can get tax reform done, wonderful things will happen. We are on we're on the the edge of some uh, truly wonderful things. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I have to do this story uh, real quick. Uh, there's some dude from Ohio. Boy, that's that's the home state. Some guy who was really big into the anti-gay, anti-LBQYX well, he uh, was, rights thing. Yeah, yeah. He was, worked for the Family Research Council, which... And then is, they caught yeah. him in his office doinking another dude. Yeah, there's there's several allegations going on that way. I, I think he actually resigned his position in the Ohio State Legislature um, once something became public i'm not sure which allegation it was so yeah not not a good look not a good look at all and well it makes me sad you can you can almost set your watch by it you see these guys and i hate to judge but it's like dude this is why the the conservatives the you can still listen you can still enjoy the company of another dude mm-hmm. and be uh anti lbgyx bathrooms 
Okay, you can do it both. Now, unfortunately, you got a wife and kids, so you got some serious uh, figuring out to do. However, right. I mean, he could have been he could be uh, one of the most brilliant minds in politics. We'll never know because he now looks like a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. And that that is the shame of it all. So my message to conservative politicians, if you enjoy the company of other dudes and the occasional <laughs> roll in the hay, get it out there. Get it out there. You can still have your same uh, political beliefs. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. We have got, we're going to take a little break. And then when we come back, that's right, you guys. I just said it. It's such radio talk. We're going to take a little break. And then when we come back, we're going to be joined by Brian Kilmeade of Fox and Friends. His new book is Andrew Jackson and the Miracle of New Orleans. Americans are some badass sons of bitches, okay? Yes, it's true. I'm sorry, it's a fact. Uh, I just watched a show about the Star Spangled Banner, all right? And Star Spangled Banner is uh, from the War of 1812. The English were still pissed about the Revolutionary War. That was the deal, right? And, and understandably so. Because, yeah, they were the mightiest army, and they were like, I can't understand how we lost that. How did we lose that war? It's we are some badass mofos. <laughs> How we, we were all in a line wearing red coats. We looked smashing. <laughs> these ne'er do wells hopping and scampering through the woods with squirrel hats. Squirrel hats for <laughs> and that was the that's how we won the Revolutionary War. We didn't fight fair. We're like, if you see somebody looks important, bang, bust a cap in him and run like a son of a bitch. And the English like, excuse me, you're not doing it right. You're supposed to stand in a line. Then there'll be some kicking and all kinds of things. Completely <laughs> doing this wrong. Bang, they shot Reggie, you bastards. You with the bunny hat. Yes, I'm talking to you. All right, you've won this round, but we'll be back. Mwah. And that's what they did. You know, nobody expected them to come back. Like, we, we, we done whooped them. They ain't coming back here. And the British like, oh, we're coming back in 1812. <laughs> That's, and that's what they did. They came back, and that's uh, in 1812, that's when they burned Washington, D.C. to the ground. Like, to the, everybody forgets that part. They just burned your capital to the ground, you rebel scum. <laughs> so, they burned, they burned, what they did, they burned D.C. to the ground. And this is what I love about America, right? We're hillbillies, and we're diverse, and as soon as somebody just hits us hard, we all just join up, and we're like, oh, it's on now, boy. It's on now. You... What you gonna do? What you gonna do, son? So DC is, this is, pretend this is a map. So uh, uh, the Lord God sent a hurricane and, and wiped them out because God loves us more than he loves them. Uh, it's in the Bible, look it up. It's in like, uh, Badassius book one, verse two. Yay, though. It even starts yay, right? So, uh, so the, the British had a backup plan, so they're gonna come up through the Mississippi, right? They're gonna come up and they'll divide and conquer and all that good rot. And so the Americans, we only have one dude, like there's this one crazy hillbilly from Tennessee, right? And the, yeah, Andrew Jackson. And they're like, hey, Andrew Jackson, would you go down? And he's like, hell yeah, I'll go down there. I'll kick their ass. I'm from Tennessee, mother. Pow, pow, pow. 
Yeah, that's a quote. He said that. And uh, I'm gonna drop some serious quotes on you tonight. You better buckle up. So he, uh, so he goes down to New Orleans, and he, he doesn't have an army or anything. He's just a dude, a couple hundred dudes. And, uh, and the English, they're like, they're, they're like 20,000 like hardcore dudes. These are the guys who just whooped Napoleon's ass in Europe, right? These are like the airborne of the English army. So uh, Andrew Jackson goes down to New Orleans, and, and you gotta say it right, you gotta say Nawlins. Yeah, they're very picky about that. Yeah, Nawlins, you guys did it. Uh, yeah, they're weird about it. Gnawlin', like you're choking on a peanut. Gnawlin'. And, and it's hard to take a diction lesson from like a Cajun, right? Where he's like, you gotta say that right. You gotta say the word. You're like, I don't even know what you just said. You gotta say Gnawlin' in a swamp in the creaky paddle boat. Okay. Something about the swamp. I'm gonna trust you. So Andrew Jackson is down in New Orleans. He's gotta raise an army. So he, he reaches out to some farmers. And he's like, you all want to defend this great nation of ours? And they're like, yee-haw, which is farmer for yes. And then, uh, and then there was like some freed uh, black slaves, some black dudes. And he's like, hey, black dudes, you want to help defend this country? And the black dudes are like, do we get to kill white people? And uh, he's like, yeah, here's a gun. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, bang, 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 bang. He's like, no, you got to wait, you got to wait. Sorry, that's my bad. Bang! All right. I didn't really like that guy. Uh, so he's got farmers and black dudes, and then uh, there's some pirates in the swamp, and they have gunpowder and cannons and stuff. And Andrew Jack's like, hey, yo, pirates, you want to fend this great nation? And the pirates are like, arr, matey, arr. And these are like the nasty pirates, right? Not the Johnny Depp-looking hotties that, yeah, the women are like, oh. So now it's like this whole army that he's raised against like, uh, like 20,000 guys. Americans, 4,000. British, 20,000. It's gonna be horrible, right? And, and so the British <laughs> haven't learned anything. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, right, and this is the part where like war is hell. It's, it's bad and you, and you gotta fight and you gotta fight to win, right? So the British, they're landing and instead of just sweeping in, they're like, tell you what we're going to do. We're going to make a camp this evening. And then tomorrow we're gonna to put on our matching uniforms and make a giant line. The likes of which you've never seen. And then we'll march over you, you rebel scum. And then in that night, uh, some hillbilly dude came up to Andrew Jackson and was like, you know, we could kill him tonight while they sleeping. Let's do that. Hey, colored fellas, we gonna kill them tonight when they sleep and get a knife. We gonna, hey, hey, pirates, we gonna, shut the f up. We gonna tiptoe over there and kill them when they, and that's just what we did. Joining us next, we've got Fox News anchor and uh, best-selling author, all-around great guy, Brian Kilmeade. Brian, what is happening? I want to talk about your book right out of the gate, Andrew Jackson. What's the, what's the title of the book? Uh, Andrew Jackson, The Miracle of New Orleans, The Battle That Shaped America's Destiny. 
Now, it's very interesting because when people think of you as a comedian, you wouldn't think that you had an interest in history. Although you watch Colin Quinn on Broadway and he does a, a funny history of the world, yeah. which is hysterical. So all you guys have to know, so have pretty much some depth in these things. I don't know, man. I was listen. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, I love Colin. He's a super funny dude. I was so jealous of his Broadway show. I'm going to do my own. Right. However, uh, a million years ago, I got I was fascinated with the War of 1812 and the Battle of New Orleans. I did a huge stand up routine on it and it ended up I, I did a show for the History Channel about it. There was a there was no a way. raps. I'm not even kidding. It's it is the one of the most fascinating, I think, uh, points in, in American history and how Andrew Jackson, this crazy hillbilly, goes down to New Orleans with like a ragtag group of dudes. They get freed black slaves. They get pirates to hook them up with some gunpowder and and cannons. And they they cheated in my mind uh, in the battle, but they won. They defended. It was it's it's amazing. It's a movie. It's a book. I'm so glad you wrote the book. Yeah, I mean, what it is basically is is you have the world superpowers. You got the New England Patriots going up against a high school team with no experience who just met three weeks ago, and the high yeah. school team beats the Patriots because because uh, you have this height. You have the uh, Great Britain just defeated Napoleon, put him into exile. They go, let's go finish off America and reclaim our colonies and let everybody know who we dominate that you cannot, you know, you cannot beat England. And that's where it stopped. It stopped in the Revolutionary War. They never admitted defeat. So it sounds very similar to Hillary Clinton. I, we didn't lose. <laughs> so 30 years later, they go back and they're going to finish us off. And they begin with a, a, annihilating us everywhere. You know, we want the war, but the only problem is we're not ready for the war. And as usual in America, we start off bad and we eventually get it right. I, I and then and then the backdrop of this. This is after, ladies and gentlemen, uh, gentle listeners. Uh, they had burned D.C. to the ground. Like England wasn't messing around. These were their their finest, like shock troopers. Uh, they burned D.C. to the ground. Then they're going to come up through New Orleans. How did you? Now, what what made you pick this? I know you've you've written uh, other books, but what made you go, uh, Andy well, Jackson? Well, a couple of things. Number one, you know, I for 20 years, I lived on Long Island. I had no idea there was a spy network here. And I always thought, well, you know what, when I really look into this, I'm going to find out that it's inflated and it's local people trying to make a big deal. And the more I looked into this, the more I thought, this is unbelievable that our social studies teachers wouldn't choose to walk us around and show this spy ring, which was top secret for Washington until 1930. And they wanted to keep their identity quiet. And then you find out about invisible ink and dead drops. And I went to meet with the CIA and they said, well, what do you know? And I told them, they go, well, you know, it even goes deeper. And they gave me more information, which they teach their agents to give them wow. a sense of what America's history is. And then when I thought this would be a great movie and when National Treasure came out, I thought to myself, I have a better movie and it's actually happened. And Nicolas Cage wouldn't be in it. So therefore it would be audible and understandable. And number two is I see the Patriot come out and I see Mel Gibson do it. I go, that's a good story. He's, he does a good, great actor, but I have a better story and it really happened. And then they said, listen, if you want to do a book, if you want to do a movie, do a book, even if you get four, uh, four, uh, buyers, yeah. just to say you have a book is going to be easier. Well, it sold over a million copies and it's still selling. And they, even in that small $10 version, that discount rack, it's still selling because people, 
you know, even from comedians like you to yeah. construction workers, there's a fundamental patriotism to the country. Then came Tripoli Pirates and our first war against Muslim extremists. I don't think I could do Jefferson complete. I know I can't. I can't do Washington. Are you kidding me? I can't do Andrew Jackson's life. John Meacham closed the book on that forever. But I could give you one battle and I, that I think is underappreciated and I could bring attention to it and I could be accurate, but I want to keep it moving, tapping into my sports background. My idea is don't give a lot of the color that gets people bored. We'll save that for the Harvard professors. Keep a story moving, keep it accurate, keep it concise and tell everybody why it matters. And that's yeah. pretty much what I try to do here because it does matter. That it, it really does. And that's a that's a great instinct, man. I'm trying to think, oh, golly, who's the dude that wrote uh, Jurassic Park? And uh, oh, uh, he's uh, also from Long Island. Uh, is he really? Yeah, he's also from Manhasset, the Manhasset area. Big tall guy. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, about, yeah. Right? And he did he did ER, but man, his books had yeah. such great pacing. They just had such great pacing. They read uh they they read like like movies. And you can see, oh, okay, I can see why. He did Westworld. Uh anyway, uh we're we're getting off the track. So did Crichton. you did, Michael Crichton. Michael, Michael Crichton. Crichton. There you go. Now you you go to the the, the final round of Jeopardy. Um, did you go down to New Orleans and look at like battle sites and stuff? Cause that, that's what Michael, I do. It's unbelievable. And you know, I, I have a lot of interest. I am stunned how interested I am in this and to go to the battlefield and see it and see how it was preserved and have these dedicated people and Rangers who don't make a ton of money, but have such passion for it to be able to walk me through the battlefield. And what we're doing is on December 3rd, Fox has been kind enough to allow me to do a special. So we flew a drone over it. And our, uh, our, like almost every major news network, all the photographers have an option to go get a drone license. So now we threw a drone over it. So as we talk about it, you'll see the battlefield, but instead of swamps and woods, it's open field now. And you could see what the, where the British came in and you could see where America dug in. The berms are still there. Some of the original cannons are still there. They're the canal they dug to prevent the British from coming into New Orleans and getting over wow. the berm. And you could still see the indent. And these people kept it alive all these centuries. And every January 8th, they celebrate. And the Ursula nuns that prayed for Jackson's victory, that Jackson believed gave him uh, this unfathomable push that came from above, they still come out and bang pots in celebration. And now that, that convent that Jefferson promised to save and Jackson assured it, uh, they keep it as a museum. And I want that to is there too. That is amazing. So oh, now hold on. Now I, I want to find this out. And, and there's, no, there's no shame in this. I'm not trying to... Are you like sitting down at the at, at your laptop and doing all this work yourself? Are you? Do you have an assistant, someone who's I got, like I help? got two things. I got a couple of things with um, well Washington. I literally had twenty years of uh, yellow pad notes, so I would I would just have these books out. I take it out of the library, and they really date back to the forties and fifties. And I would take notes because it was written not to be read. It was written almost documents. But with Jefferson, I went into the Jefferson Library and I had the best guy just sit there and go, you know, no one was interested in Jefferson's fight against the Barbary pirates who were Muslim extremists. So he turned over a lot of his stuff to me and he gave me these books. And then I was able to say, what could I bring new? So I'm doing that. And I got this best editor, this Bria Sanford, who's about 28 years old and just a genius and passionate. And we're writing with Don Yeager through the magic of electronics, you start off, you, you lay out maybe 26 chapters, you knock it down to 18. Then you summarize the chapters, you go back and forth on that. 
And then you say, let's blow up the chapters one by one. I got to go back to the introduction because the introduction for me is where I have a, an option to get a, a reader or not. So we wrote that, rewrote that four times and we just go back and forth. And then we have a historian to say, am I right? And I push back and forth on this. Yeah. And I'm reading constantly along the way. And when you have Winston Groom and Robert Remney and John Meacham, who are resources, and then you have this other guy you never heard of called Ron Drez, and he's an 83-year-old Marine, decorated Marine, who dedicated his life to this, that found documents in England showing that they wanted to take New Orleans and keep it and reverse the whole Louisiana purchase. So when yeah. you said, what did I do? I, I tapped into people who were unbelievably nice, kind, and interesting, and I think I put together uh, with Don a unique story. So... That's kind of a long answer to uh, you pound it out. You go back and forth. This is too slow. I didn't touch the New Orleans chapter here. I couldn't do they. The editor said to me, you got to give a history of New Orleans, why it matters. And I start writing it and every other word is literally French or Spanish. And I'm saying, I don't even know what this means. So I kind of <laughs> licensed that out. Uh, I licensed it out. When I came to the book on tape, I was lost. Like like Benavue <laughs> and all these things. So that chapter of the history of New Orleans, my eyes glazed over. So I'm out of that. But right, the other right. stuff is is me, dude. I love it. I'm I'm insanely jealous. I I love the project. I can write. Uh, it's weird. I can like sit down at the computer and write stand up for other people. My own stand up, I just have to like regurgitate it on stage. It's a big idea. I can write. Wow. I can write sitcoms. The idea of writing a book. I am so. That's the that is the real deal. I, I was lucky enough to interview uh, one of the co-authors of the, of the book Shattered, and uh, and now uh, yourself. I just, I really, I put that up on a pedestal. I can't. I think it just, it's just so daunting. But I, I like the way you like. Go, okay, these are the chapters. We're gonna narrow it down to these chapters, and then kind of. Then I think I because I, I, I want to do this. It's something I desperately, desperately want to want to. Well, do. the other thing I did, and here's here's my method, and I, I I cannot tell you that I studied authors and their methods. I'll sit there, we'll go back and forth, and I'll meet, and I'll talk it out. And I'll sit there, and we'll record it. And I think I do a pretty good job on stage telling the story. I'm, you know, I go up there, and I'm able to incorporate all three books and, and tell people the history of the country in a pretty concise way. And I'm able to sit there with my editor and say, here's my problem. I can't get through this. She goes, let's talk it out. How do you see this chapter going? I talk it out. Yeah. type it out. And then she goes, let me take this. So I take it. She'll take it and go, bring it to a story and I go, what do you think? And I come back and I'll punch it up again and we go up and we go back again. What I did is one thing that's important to me for all your listeners is that I want people to know I'm keeping the story moving, but I'm keeping accurate. And that's why I gave it to Douglas Brinkley. I gave it to John Meacham. I gave it to Jay Winnick. I gave it to General Stanley McChrystal, who goes into these war college classrooms and teaches these battles. And, and uh, Eric Prince, who's a war fighter and, and a historian, he's a Black, uh, Blackwater's former Navy SEAL. And they were in the back of the book. And they're not yeah. doing it as a favor. I go, guys, if you can't back, and they, and they come back. And sure enough, two or two and a half weeks go by. And Douglas Brinkley not only endorsed it, he came and did the TV special with me, which he's not supposed to do because he's a CNN guy. <laughs> so he's going to be on the CNN. Yeah. So we, we went to New Orleans together. We stood on the battle and we talked it through. And I That's think in fantastic. a time in which and there's a time in which I know you're with a lot of people that hate Trump, other people that like Trump. Uh, I get it. Everyone's passionate. Well, can we agree that American history is something to be proud of? We're not perfect. And this war on history, let's do this crazy thing of studying it, understanding it before you go protest against it. And that's with Andrew Jackson. I don't tell you Andrew Jackson's perfect. 
But if you told me a 13-year-old would have no parents and brothers all killed by the British who are born be, or killed before he died, and he'd be alone at 13 in the backwoods of the South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee area in 1800s, you tell me that kid is shot. He's not going to have a chance. He's going to be a criminal. He's going to be a vagrant. Instead, he ends up being a two-term president of the United States. He was determined to matter. That's an American success story that would be um, hard to do today, impossible to do then. I am right there with you. And when I it, – it's weird. It, it, Americans definitely don't know about this guy at all. And, and it's weird how like nowadays – People want to say, oh, he did this one thing. So that defines him as a human being uh, in, in my in my history channel thing. It's like he was an American badass. Uh, we should thank hillbillies like, yeah, grew up a little angry <laughs> because absolutely. Because and the with British, revenge on his mind. Exactly. And when they had no one else to pick, they tapped him. Who is the meanest son of a bitch we can find to go down there? He's our only hope. It's it's a fascinating subject, and I totally dig it. Um, uh, you you've got to see my history uh, show. A couple thing. of things I think to push back is I, I would love to see a couple of things. I want to you know, did he have the trail of tears? Yes. Did I study and memorize it? No. Was it a mistake? It seems to be un, unquestionably to have slaves. Absolutely. It's still unthinkable today if you watch Roots or 12, uh, uh, 12 Days of Slave, whatever it is, 12 Years of Slave. Yeah. You see, they say, how could this be our history? But it is. It was the history of the world back then. Indians had uh, slaves. Uh, Portugal had slaves. Spain had slaves. England had slaves. Brazil had slaves. I can't, I can't condemn all these generations and civilizations. I don't have enough breath and time. I also am not that arrogant. I'm not arrogant enough to say my generation's perfect. How dare any other generation not live up to my esteem? Number two is, you know, he, he took on uh, Indians, some of which were very aggressive and wiped out settlers, and he was commissioned to go do that by the government. And the other thing is he adopted an Indian boy, and he was the first, he also was the first one that I know of, a general, to say, free men of color, take guns, pay them the same, treat them the same, feed them the same, and if you don't, I will shoot you. That's what he told his army. Yeah. You treat them the same. They didn't want to give uh, blacks guns back then. He goes, are you kidding me? They're, they're free. You take a gun, fight for us, you're in. And they fought with great courage. It's beautiful. So there is a dichotomy here. Yeah, it's. I thought that was one of my favorite. That was the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful parts of that whole story. It's like, no, you're a citizen. Give that dude a gun. Uh, now we're going to kill those people over there because they're, they're, uh, they're the invaders. I, I, I love how it comes down to storytelling. That's all great. Now, because that's that's how I, I, I did a thing for History Channel about uh, Jesse Owens in the the thirty six Olympics in Germany, blah blah, blah blah. And I found that on stage, you know, right? You you've got to have you know the beginning, and the middle, and, and and the end, and that's wonderful. Now you did stand up at one point, yeah. I am not, I'm not, never got to your category. What I wanted to do is become a better broadcaster. So for about 12 years, I, I went up and, and I would do it anytime I had free time. Cause I was out in LA, uh, at a TV job making five ninety six every two weeks and doing all sports radio at XTRA, which was WFAN out there on weekends. And I was making 200 a show and Love I, was, it. Yeah, I wasn't even making $30,000. And I, what I would do is anytime I had free time, I would do stand up, and I was just starting to get paid. But I came back to New York and Chris Mazzilli, our mutual friend, who yeah. I saw do stand up and he used to organize all the comics. And we know each other from soccer and his brother played with my brother and he couldn't have been more supportive of him. That Gotham, 
And he said, Brian, I'm removing myself from the process. And I felt like I was right there when the Fox News called and said, we want you to start filling in in the mornings. And to get up at 2.30 and get off the stage at 11.30 worked for about a week. <laughs> and then I said, I got to make a choice. But, but who knows if I'm going to keep this job or not. And now all these years later, if um, a Fox guy hopped up on stage in New York City, not only would it be an empty building, but uh, they feel as though it would bring too much controversy and it's not practical for a person that actually wants to recognize his kids in a picture and also <laughs> to that has to get up at this hour. And also, I think it's something needs to be done full time, if you know what I'm saying. I have so much respect for you guys and I know what it takes. But to me, to be a successful comedian is, is like the offensive line of entertainment. If, like, if you could block, if you could do all these things, there's nothing you can do. And you grind it out. You go up there raw. You don't know who your audience is. You don't know if they like you. You don't know if you're going to perform. It's, it's so exciting and so rewarding. But I'm not in your category. I don't think I ever would have gotten there. But it's so unbelievable training. I got up and I spoke to 400 people uh, yesterday. And they're like, yeah. what are you going to say? I'm thinking to myself, who cares? I'm like, I go up there with information. And if I say something mildly funny, they're stunned. When you go up there and they expect <laughs> to laugh. Now, that's the challenge. So I it's get these true. laughs and I'm saying to myself, but if you were expecting my, if you were expecting me as a stand-up, you know, if, you wouldn't be laughing, but you're expecting to get information and news and Trump and Gore yeah. and uh, Clinton. And, and when I'm able to have a sense of humor, then people are like, this guy's hysterical. But if I was hired as a comedian, you'd be like, he's okay. You know, See, that's, that that's classic salesmanship right there. You under, you, you under promise, you over deliver. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'd hate to be you or Kevin James and say, this guy's hysterical. Oh, my God. You've already set the bar at seven foot seven inches. Oh, man. See, now I get I, I didn't go to Kevin's taping and, and I, I told him this, his Netflix special. Uh, I was with him on the road for quite a bit, you know, you know blah, blah. Uh, but, but it's all him. He's he's hilarious. But I get to a point where I'm like, like a guy like Kevin James or someone like they're selling out these huge venues. People are paying a ton of money and they want they want him to succeed. And I'm like, Kevin, oh, yeah. yeah, they all want you to be funny. They all are rooting. And that's the dream. Like, I'll go up. I, I do a thing. I go up uh, to governors every Sunday night and just work on new material. I get such a thrill out of 200 people laughing at something I say when they're like, not sure. Who is this guy? What's he all about? What's right. he saying? Oh, he's he's pro Trump. What the what? So that's always fun. <laughs> But to yeah. have a giant audience of people who either A, uh, want you to do great or like you're doing, they're like, oh, man, this is going to be so dry. It's that newscaster guy. And then when you can throw in a few uh, little zingers and be slightly entertaining, that's got to be great. Well, but the other thing is, is it if you go up on stage for a significant period of time and I'm not I don't consider myself a stand up comic, but you just go up there every time you can that six o'clock at a major cut, you know, or you go to a hospital and you do stand up. No one can stop you from doing stand up. That's what I found so intriguing about broadcasting. You got to kind of frustrating about broadcasting because you got to kind of wait. You wait for that job, you wait for the audition, you hope to do well, but no one can stop you from doing stand up seven days a week. So I wanted to be able to sleep at night. So I had to do something productive. So even if I was asked to go up six o'clock at a major club at an improv in Los Angeles or up in Santa Barbara, that's okay. You know what? Yeah. There's 44 people there. You know, I'm not a stand-up for a living anyway. 
if there are 44 people that hopefully they're not comedians and you have a legitimate shot of making them laugh and getting an honest idea of your material. So, you know, I, I go do it. And you, there's nothing stopping you from doing stand-up and well, until you get a family and you have a soccer game or, or a recital or a back-to-school yeah. night. Then you say, am I being selfish or not? But uh, I just it. think that when you go do that, it just frees you to do everything else on stage and it gives you a confidence. Also, what you got, what you have a very rare skill in that you don't need things verbatim. I know so many anchors that if you don't give them a script, they want to know what your ad lib is. And I, it almost makes me laugh. I want the opposite. I'm like, do I need to use that script? I'd rather, you know, I'd rather ad lib it all because I had the opportunity do sports would help number one and number two to do stand up where you have a premise. You yeah. don't have, you know, I know some people write them out verbatim. I I'm, never did. I'm not blowing smoke, but like in the morning, because you know, I, I've got, uh, the website that I'm doing and my standup, I like to know what's going on in the world of politics. And I like to see, you know, just what's going on. I watch, I watch Fox and friends and there are so many mornings. I'm not kidding you, dude. I am not kidding. You'll have, of really funny, like one liner or reaction or ad lib. And you'll just see, and, and I love your co-hosts. They're, they're, they're wonderful, but they just, you can see them like processing, processing. What happened is a lot it's of my great. friends, a lot of my friends say, cry, you make me grimace because they don't get your humor. And like, I feel bad for you. I go, don't feel bad for me. I'm in it for me. <laughs> and I'm in it for the people that might be able to figure it out at home. And sometimes I look back and go, that wasn't funny. But other <laughs> times I'm like, I know I nailed that and I got no reaction. What happened is they replaced our crew with robots. I only have a floor manager. So now our, our cameramen are robots. So they work no. in a control room. Yeah. So I can't even get any audience except uh, for you guys. I'm, I'm at home. I'm laughing. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you every morning. And uh, what's her name? Ainsley? Yeah. She's such a sweetheart. She is such a sweetheart. Exactly uh, the same. Love person. her to yeah, death. She's great. Deucey's, Deucey's awesome. But there's times where you'll be coming live out of a story. You'll make some little comment. I'm spitting coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and they're right. like, what just happened? You got to get people back on those cameras. You got to get my, 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 here's the other problem. Mike. you don't know when you're blowing yourself up. And I checked myself big time when I never did before because management can't stop it. I mean, you're seeing these careers blown up every day. So yeah. if I say one thing that could be perceived as, uh, as uh, racist or sexist, even though I am not, and you're yeah. not, I, you cannot be fearless. It is no, there's no one who's got your back because they can't. So if I say anything, I used to kid around with some of my co-hosts because I knew they were very pro-feminist and I would say something like, as you know, that job got done right because a man did it, knowing that it would drive her nuts in a fun way because yeah. I respected the fact that she was fighting for him. I could can't say that now. No, and by the way, no. the worst people that kill us at Fox are the John Stewart's of the world, the Jimmy Kimmel's. These guys want us out of context to destroy us. So the comedians who may or may not be editing are the are are the biggest sword to come down on, on Fox. So, well, well, I'm that's pretty much in an odd place now. You guys are, I, you, you really do. You have to mind your P's and Q's and I, and, and it's gotta be really tough. Uh, and like, I know they're coming after Hannity big time right now, but just so you know, 
there is a uh, a sea change coming. I was like the so. only like openly conservative comedian on the planet for the longest time. Honestly, uh, there's a couple more coming out now. So it's happening. It's bubbling. People realize that it's ridiculous. People realize that you you are allowed to disagree. And I don't want to, like, start designing posters for can't we all get together and crap like that. I want to lead by example. I just want to be a funny dude who's also uh, leans to the right. And I don't think big government has all the solutions. And so, well, Mike, what I want to do, too, is here's the thing. Can you send me a couple of these clips? Because uh, comedians uh, and Fox and CNN and MSNBC, it just could be trouble, you know, because, and by the way, when I say eggshells, eggshells are too firm for what we're walking on. So <laughs> it's, I'm serious. So if I, you could send me some clips so I could pitch it, because I'm hosting Tucker at, on Wednesday and Friday, and then I'm doing it between Christmas and New Year's. If you could send me a couple of clips and you could actually say, uh, I feel like, uh, what you're saying now is what people 10 years ago say is when come out and say I'm gay. That was yeah. considered courageous. What you just said is considered extremely courageous. It and is. And the guy that I have so much, right. And, and with, with a guy who actually I find heartening now is Bill Maher. Bill Maher uh, he, says, you know, you know, you know, what the hell is going on? Why don't people call out Muslims? And why are we condemning every person who comes out and says they're pro-Trump? You might, they may hate him. But he yeah, wants yeah. to give people an opportunity to say it. So I give Bill Moore a lot of respect. Me too. Me too. Like it, it goes both ways. And, and uh, man, I, we, could, we could talk forever, but I don't want to chew up the rest of your day. Uh, I'm super excited. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you uh, some stuff to me. Just uh, we'll, we'll edit this part out. But just, uh, just uh, shoot me a text with your email. Uh, I'll, sh I'll oh, shoot no, you some you clips. Can, you can keep it on. If people want to get in touch with me, kill me at foxnews.com. Oh, you gave the work one. <laughs> uh, no, it's, no, no, but no, no, it's the real one. Um, and that's the one I, I get to. And right now I'm getting killed because I think Roy Moore uh, should not be running. And I believe this is the crazy thing. I believe nine women and I have two kids, uh, two daughters. If he was to ask them out, they're the ninth and 11th grade. I said I would kick his head in and everybody is writing me uh, conservative uh, saying I've sold out. And how dare I say that? To me, that is that shows such a disorientation and a scary reaction. So when you say there's a rebalancing, I think people are going to rebalance and say, can you be a human being first and not be a Republican or Democrat? Because he likes the Ten Commandments. Um, the 11th, I should date women, date teenage women, doesn't work for me. So can it you is stand for anything? This is fantastic. And like, like I'm going to quote that, like be a human being first and a Republican second. That is what it's all about. And, and that is the message that has been lost in everything. Like I would, I would like eight years, 10 years, 12 years. And, and that's what I'm trying to do with uh, the loftestparty.com. Just be a human being first. Politics comes second. But we all know what the what we all know what right and wrong is. So we got to call it out wherever we see it, right? Yeah, you have no credibility if you don't. I mean, you have none. So. Dig it. All right. I'm going to go out and get a copy of the book. I'm going to send you some clips. Uh, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Go spend time with your family. Uh, God bless you for, for, for doing the airport thing. I'm going to be back in it yeah. soon myself. <laughs> it's a drag. Right. So my other thing, if people want to get it signed and personalized, it goes to the book review in Huntington, and I sign once a week, send it around the country. You go to briankillmead.com.
All right, I'm going to go to briankillmead.com. I might, uh, Huntington here on Long Beach, yeah? Yeah, and I, that's also on my website as a way to get me directly, too. I go through all my email. All right, I will do all it, right. man. I'm going to have to get my autograph. Thank you so much. Have a great day, brother. Welcome to the battle, one, eight, one, two. Killing is what we Now, I guess uh, we were talking earlier that Twitter's got some new rules. I know that they're they're rethinking the blue check mark. There's all kinds of rumors of uh, viciousness that Twitter's now going to start, uh, uh, what do you call that, tracking your activities off of Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I used to want the blue check mark. Here's what I thought the blue check mark was. I thought that just verified it was you and not a parody account. All a blue check mark uh, should be, to me, is just verifying your identity. I am me. I have prove, proven this is me. Baboom, blue check mark. But now it's like something else. It's like the cool kids club. Well, I, it, it, to me, it's not just that. It, it, and you're right. You're absolutely right. What the verification process was, was that this is actually Michael Loftus. And he has some content that's of interest to people. Not like, not content that Twitter endorses, but like when, because we applied at one point for the blue check and basically it's like, where's your content located? So we put the YouTube channel, we put the podcast, we put the website, da, 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 right? And it was not like Twitter thinks this dude is cool. Well, thanks to all the white supremacy memes and all of this kind of nonsense. And, and I have a totally different take on it. Um, you know, you're giving that person a blue check as if you endorse them, says the media matter zombies. No, that's not what the blue check ever meant. But Twitter took what? an opportunity to say some people are making this mistake, so we're going to change some things. But what does Twitter say the blue check mark was to begin with? Exactly what you thought it was. This is this person. We know it's this person. And yeah. they have some content that's of general interest. Yeah, it's uh, they're making this way too difficult. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not even kidding. Like, well, uh, it, it really should be uh, Twitter, free speech, uh, verify you are who you say you are, and you get a blue check mark. That's that's really it. It's really quite easy. Someday I should send you the stock market performance of, of Twitter, the company, since the prodigal CEO Jack came back in October. He was one of the founders, and then he went away and did something else, right? Yeah. And then Twitter kind of got in trouble and they said, oh, Jack, come back, come back. Since he's been back, the the Twitter stock has taken an even bigger dive because he's decided to put inject his politics into everything. Um, You know, when when you when you are at a company and you think it's okay to disconnect the account of the sitting president of the United States just because you don't like him. That is when you know the like culture in these companies is so self-righteous that they are correct that this is just how they're going to basically it's going to it's going to kill the entire business model. Well, I, I hopefully they'll yeah, I'm I'm an optimist. I want them to realize their mistake and just dial it way back. Yeah. I want uh Google to stop clamping down. I want YouTube to stop clamping down and mm-hmm. just it's uh 
I watched a, a YouTube video uh, the other night, and it's a really great uh, mantra. I forget who it was. It's a it's a new person, and her whole idea is create and share, create and share, create. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, that's wonderful. And then I'm going back, and I'm looking at. Uh, the Loftus Party YouTube channel, and I was like, and this is what a couple of days ago, and I said it on on Facebook, and I'll say it again here. It's like there is a large body of work, a lot of content that we, that we've created, uh-huh. and that we're sharing, uh, and the website we're creating content and we're sharing it, and it's really wonderful and awesome. And, and I'm just – I'm very, very happy. I'm pleased with everyone who's participating. Uh, great great things are happening. And, and I guess I should use this, uh, the whole Google thing, the Amazon thing. I wanted to talk about this as well. Uh, I'm an Amazon Prime guy and Amazon Yay. keeps sending me these emails. They keep sending me these emails where they're like, hey, dude, you're not getting everything you paid for. Mm-hmm. And they say it just like Chris Walken. The email says, Mike – guy, you're not getting everything you paid for. So I started doing the Amazon streaming music. Mm -hmm. Wow. Game changer. Loving it. Yep. Loving. Do you, do you have that going on at the, the, the gypsy camp? We do. I mean, I go back and forth between my iTunes lists that I've created and love because you know, I've been buying them over a period of years, but then I oh, also sure. I also go over to Amazon Music and stream a type and, and that sort of thing. The thing I actually really like is um, the free videos and, and streaming service as well. So, yeah. you know, no, I pay got- for that with Netflix. I get it for free with two-day shipping with Amazon. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. they're a little bit quick to jump on the what they think. Listen, I'll tell you, uh, Amazon, if you're listening to me, I was writing the other weekend. Um, mm-hmm. like I, I put on like classical music in the background because I'd be that kind of a writer. <laughs> but it was it was actually nice. There's a reason that writers all do that in the movies. <laughs> it's it's kind of relaxing and fun. So now Amazon's like, hey, Mike, we found some more classical music. So now I have to teach uh, my my streaming service. Like, no, we're gonna we're gonna fire up some Dead Mouse now and uh, <laughs> and turn this into a dance club in Ibiza, just so you recognize. Uh, I have different tastes. Uh, yeah, no, see that, I guess that's true because like when you're in iTunes, you can create your playlists. Yes. Yeah. Right. But you know, I'll, I'll figure mm-hmm. it out and I'm still, I'm still all about the iTunes. Uh, that that's, it's so easy. It's so wonderful. And I love my list there. I'm just saying, uh, I feel like I've discovered something with the Amazon music and the, and it's pretty good. Yep. It's, it's nice to have on in the background. Uh, okay. So in terms of streaming, I'm going to tell you right now, I still haven't seen the second season of Stranger Things, and uh, I have not watched The Punisher. That came out the other day, and I hear it's great. That actor is so good, yep. and I guess the show is just fantastic. Well, I mean, they did such a good job setting it up in the second season of Daredevil. Like, you yeah. really want to know this guy's story, right? Especially if you're that blonde reporter. She's a little... uh She's a little, I guess, enthralled with him, I guess is the right word, um, going yeah. into the entire series. But, yeah, super excited about that myself. Um, I have seen uh, season two of Stranger Things and thought it was just fantastic, just like I thought the first one was. So you will love it. I'm sure of it. Um, this Thanksgiving break, I have so much to do. I got to do Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. I got to do The Punisher. I got to see four. 
And yes, I got to see I got to see uh, Justice League. I've got so much to do. See, I'm, I'm just at the Punisher. I feel like I've been keeping up. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Because I saw the other one, too. What was it? Blade Runner. Yeah, dang, that's the other one. I'm literally writing it down. I'm literally <laughs> writing it down. No, I Blade love, Runner I love, 2049 or whatever. I love the reactions what I, that I get from you when I'm like, all right, talk to you in a while. I'm at Justice League. Really? Really? That's where you are? Darn it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's disheartening. I don't want to, I don't want to be a glass half empty kind of guy. Mm -hmm. uh, life is pretty flipping awesome right now. Uh, the ratings for the television show that I'm working on are good and mm -hmm. are getting better. So that's wonderful. But right. uh, it, it takes up a lot of my time. And then uh, I'm also creating and sharing uh, video content. Uh, mm -hmm. And we, we have a new one every Thursday. We do this show every Sunday. And now uh, I, I've dipped my toe into uh, writing blogs. Which Correct. they're not spectacular. It's like literally, I'm telling you guys, I'm just dipping my toe in it. They'll get better as I go. It's all, we're learning. We're figuring it out. I reviewed uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Mm -hmm. I, I gave an honest review of that. Uh, it's all right. Too many moves. There's just too many moves. Give me the, the jump, the double jump, the run, and, and the, 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 I call it the butt smash move, but it's the ground pound move and I'm fine. I just, uh, reviewed last night because I was so excited, uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2, which is a great game. You go read the review and EA, uh, EA and DICE that made that game, they tried to do this thing where they were going to sell, uh, the best equipment. Usually in a video game, you have to grind it out. You play, you play, you play, and then you get a little bonus. You find a little loot stash, and you go, oh, I got a better gun, or I got a better this. EA was floating the balloon where they're like, hey, you could just buy that stuff for real money. Uh, and for like about two grand, you could have the best equipment in the game. People got so mad, they decided not to do it. They put the kibosh on it. They might bring it back, but anyway, Star Wars Battlefront, it's a great game. Go to the website, uh, read the review. So it's exciting. It's exciting. And these are these are some of the surprises that I was going to tell you about, uh, Liberty Gypsy. Things that just have me jazzed. There is a listener to this show. Mm -hmm. I got we, we have we have a couple requests, and this is what I love. And I love getting a couple requests. We'll get to them all. Uh, First of all, named Carla, and I cannot remember her last name. She has a uh, podcast, and I'm sorry if I'm messing this up, uh, called There Might Be Cupcakes. And she listens to this show. So I'm going to give a listen to There Might Be Cupcakes. Uh, she was making fun of a picture I put on the Loftus Party Instagram. She says, I said, it's cold out here, bitches. And she said, wear a hat, bitch. <laughs> So she's so awesome. Uh, she's going to knit me a hat. So we're going back and forth on the Twitters trying to figure out a pattern. And I, okay. I think that's awesome. And this is exactly the kind of thing uh, that I wanted to happen. A couple weeks ago, I discovered a thing called the Black Tape Project. All right now, the Black Tape Project is this artist guy who uh, dresses women up in tape. It's, it's really cool and it's really 
really sexy and I dug it a lot. So you take little pieces of tape. It could be shiny tape, black tape uh, normally, and they make these designs on these uh, naked women and they're fantastic and it's really cool. And then they'll, they'll go out and they'll take over a nightclub and it's got to be insanely sexy and it looks cool. It photographs well. So I just did a little shout out uh, to the Black Tape Project. We're getting retweets from Japan. Really? Is that where it's yes. based? I'm sorry? Is that where the Black Tape Project is? No, no. Oh. But I, I found out they're, they're doing an event in Japan. So they're retweeting the Loftus party, all these Japanese kids, about the Black Tape Project. It's awesome. It is completely awesome. You know uh, Jiffy Pop Popcorn, right? The, right. the little old school, and you'd start to shake it, you'd have it over the heat, and you're like, oh, this one's broken. Yeah, this was... one's not going to work. Yeah. And then it starts to heat up, and you hear the pop, 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 pop. It's happening. We're in the very first stages of a pop, pop, pop of the Jiffy Pop popcorn, of the loftusparty.com, the podcast, the YouTube channel, all of it. It's starting to happen. Boner pants. Boner pants. No dancing. Mm-mm. <laughs> there will be dancing. There will be dancing. See, this is the problem. Like, get your freak on. This is what I'm preaching, everybody. Like, to the Ohio dude who likes guys, do it, man. Tell your wife you've made a mistake. You can still, like, dance, get freaky, play video games. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Be a And, and this is something uh, that, that, that Killmead and I were talking about, too. Be a human being first and put politics second. And that's that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, so when next we meet, hopefully I will have seen uh, The Punisher and hopefully I will have seen uh, Justice League. Is Blade Runner still in theaters? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't that think so. Thor be... is. Thor is. And, and Justice Thor. League. And, and I, I will say my humble opinion is Thor is greater than Justice League. And I'll let... I can guarantee it. I can yeah. guarantee it. Just from... Being a, a person who cares about this kind of thing, mm -hmm. like and I was saying this to another uh, buddy of mine hours ago, when you stumble right out of the gate like they did with Batman versus Superman, mm -hmm. it's hard to catch up. The mm -hmm. whole series is based on a flawed dynamic uh, and, and, and it's a bummer. However, Wonder Woman was a big help. Yes. Hopefully just that, that, that helped move it in the right direction. Hopefully justice league will help move it in the right direction. Okay. Then I, you need I, I, a, a new standalone. You need a new standalone, uh, Batman movie. And I know you got the hots for, uh, Aquaman. Yeah. That and that dude. doesn't even have to be good. <laughs> he just needs to be in it. <laughs> Aquaman, part one. Aquaman takes off his shirt and walks yes. out of the ocean. Mm -hmm. That's no, good. He, he and takes off his shirt that. to walk back into the ocean <laughs> and that was yeah. wow yeah there you go you like you like the uh you like the back door there on the aquaman well i it was you know and i don't think this is a spoiler right because it's just aquaman has a cute butt over overwhelming <laughs> plot they gave you just enough information about him during justice league that you kind of want to know his backstory Oh, same sure. Thing, same Arthur thing Kirby. with how did it happen? Yeah, same thing with um, Flash. Yeah, yeah that you, kid you, uh, plays the Flash. Looks looks good. Yeah, and not so much with Cyborg. 
because he was kind of important. Is, so you know, yeah. you know a lot about him in the context of that move in Justice League already. But the other two, this is gonna sound, yeah. this is gonna sound horrible, but like Cyborg, and I always felt this with the Justice League comic. Cyborg uh, fit a niche, a niche, if you will. They're like, oh, we want to attract more uh, younger uh, African Americans to comic books. So, and they just like threw, they literally, they literally just threw Cyborg together. If you've if you've seen <laughs> the origin story, they literally just threw that character together, and now he's an integral part of the Justice League. No, Black Panther. Much better. Oh, that movie looks good too. Yeah, no. The if you're going to do it, on that. do it yeah. right. Don't just go. Oh, we want we want black people to be interested. Here's a guy. We call him Cyborg. Yeah, it, but I mean, he his particular abilities are so integral into the resolution of the problem in this movie. Uh, la 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 la. Well, I'm not telling you what they are or how he did it. That. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I asked my kids to go with me and they said, nope, Arrow's not in it. I'm not going. Yeah. <laughs> I said, All right. Here, then. I'll, I'll tell you what I hate about Cyborg. Hmm. I, this, this is what I hate about Cyborg. It's what I hate about bad science fiction. Mm-hmm. It's what I hate about bad uh, fantasy novels, too. Mm-hmm. Cyborg will consistently be surprised by his equipment. Oh, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know it could do this, too. Oh, it's this crazy alien technology. I had no idea. There, there has to be rules. 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 Oh, I can't do that. That's what makes that. That's what makes uh, Tolkien so great. Yep. Uh, Gandalf the wizard is rolling through the woods and the dwarves are like, it's raining. Can you bl- make that stop? Uh, you're a wizard. And he's like, yeah, I'm a wizard. I, I can't change the weather. That's right. awesome. And it's conversational and it tells you, oh, there's limits even to this guy. But Cyborg in the in the the comic books and in the 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 Marvel or the the Warner Brothers Blu-rays and movies and stuff. It's always like I didn't know. Oh, my gosh. My my armor can't. I hate it. 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 Well, rules are the reason there's arguments about, you know, who would win Batman, you know, Batman versus Superman. Da, 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 da. Yes. The rules make the arguments, you know? Um, yes. So, yeah, no, and I, I, I definitely see what you're saying there because I was not really at all familiar with his character before I saw the movie. Um, but, yeah, that whole, oh, look, yeah, that still exists. If that's part of who he is, I'm not spoiling anything. Okay, that, yeah. wonderful. I'll go see it, and then and then I'll probably completely rail on it. I just wanted to make enough money to they can, so where they can make more movies and try to fix it. Just another chance to be able to fix it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not as everybody that, I, that I've talked to, and, and I agree, not nearly as bad as Batman versus Superman. Like, it's not that level of, oh, oh my God, are you kidding me? It's not like Martha. another... It's My it's, mother's name is Martha. It's not like another bad premise. Yes. Okay, uh, I think we're going to run out of time. I apologize to, and I'm going to let you remain anonymous because there is a stigma to it. I wanted to make, I wanted to have more fun with the the Harvard uh, butt sex class. Harvard had this workshop called What What in the Butt? (laughs) And it's, uh, I got a great joke out of it. I'm Uh, sure you did. I'm sure you did. Oh, I did. (laughs) I I did. So that one's going in in the stand-up. 
it's pretty funny. Well, I'll try to get a clip of me. I'm going to go to governor's tonight. I'll do it on stage. Uh, but yeah, if, if you have to take a, a workshop, uh, to, to figure out, uh, butt sex, <laughs> you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. But I went to Harvard. Okay. Uh, we made a little bit of fun of it. And however, uh, people were up in arms and shut it down. Listen, Hey, if you want to, if you want to waste God, I don't know how much money the workshop cost. If you want to throw that money down the drain, uh, just, I, I studied butt sex at Harvard. I don't know how many thousands of dollars it was, but let them do it. If people don't stop people from throwing their money away, that's what I'm saying. That's what I say verily unto thee. So Thanksgiving is coming up. We'll mm-hmm. have to do like a special Thanksgiving show. We'll figure that out. But holy smoke, it's going really good. I'm super excited. When when the Japanese kids are retweeting you about the Black Tape Project and people with other interesting podcasts are, are hitting you up. I'm, ta- I'm talking about there might be cupcakes. Uh when people are, we're talking video games on Facebook, we're talking politics, it's happening. That great jiffy pop popcorn of creativity. Thanks to Brian Kilme for being on the show. There's going to be more guests. We're, all of this, you guys, we're figuring it out as we go along. I, I've never lied to you. I am a freak. <laughs> and, and we're going to figure it out He's as we go lying. along. He's not lying. I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm, it's wonderful. And you are, everyone is welcome here. Everyone is welcome. Have a great week. Great Thanksgiving. I love you all. It looks like you've lost weight. Um, Those are wonderful biceps you've been lifting. (laughs) I'll see you next time.